0: Um, So this morning, as you can see from the very large print on the screen, uh, we're going to be talking about principles and tips to leverage your time. And I'm excited to talk about this topic with you guys. Uh, For the better part of my adult life, this topic has just been, I don't know, a fascination for me, maybe partly because I'm not good at handling my time naturally and with the desire to like be competent in areas I'm not like, it's driven me to enjoy and want to study this area. Um, and then I think also just the idea of, uh, in my mind, as I've kind of s- studied Scripture and looked at stuff, it seems like this is kind of one of the main three areas that God asks us to really um, be stewards of. You know, our time and our physical resources and our relationships are really coming. We think about it, that pretty much sums up your life, right? <laughs> I mean, so if you can learn to leverage and handle those well, uh, you're going to be doing pretty pretty well. And so um, I'd imagine, uh, since there's three breakout sessions this morning, if this is one that you're wanting to be in, uh, probably like a lot of people, there's some areas of, I'm going to move out of the way of the light just a little bit, there's some areas of uh, tension maybe in your life that are kind of putting some pressure on there where you're thinking, I need to learn how to better um, leverage my time to to relieve some of that. Uh, so what I'm kind of hoping this morning will look like it's going to be a little bit different than a normal, you know, Sunday morning uh message and stuff. Uh, I want to uh there's not going to be really any PowerPoint slides other than that one back there in case you forgot which one you're in. Uh, but it's going to be uh the handout is a lot more thorough than your typical Sunday message, too. And um the reason for that being I'm going to be going over several principles, just kind of laying the backdrop on time. I mean, there's a lot more to it than this, but I just want to give you a few and then uh go through a bunch of different tips. On how to better leverage and maximize your time. And what I'm kind of hoping this will do is this will serve sort of as a resource for you that you can then, you know, add to and uh, reference back to at different points in your life um, as you go on. Uh, I think it goes without saying, I'm definitely not an expert on this area, but um, hopefully some of the things that are shared uh, will be helpful for you. And I'm not thinking either that you're going to in case you're wondering, man, am I supposed to remember all this stuff? Absolutely not, <laughs> um, because there's too much. Um, but what I'm, I think um, will be really helpful is if you'll figure out, you know, one to two um, ideas that we talked about today that are like, you know, these are the uh, right now, given the pressures and things going on in my life. These are what I need to implement first. And then since you have sort of the uh, both the handout and then whatever notes you take. Uh, you can go back later. Once that thing's kind of a little more established in your life, then you can go back. and OK, what are some other uh, keys here that I need to get implemented because I really do think all these things eventually need to be implemented in your life. But uh, there's no way that you're going to be able to do them all simultaneously. I'm not even doing them all simultaneously right now. I'm still working at it. So, um so let's jump in. I'll, I'll jump in with here with the with the first principle. The first one is the the easiest, uh, probably the most obvious. You know, our time is limited, and we can't buy any more of it. You know, there's a lot of things that you can waste and buy more of. Time's just not one of them. Uh, James four fourteen says, "What is your life?" You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. <clears throat> you know, um the older you are, the more that verse seems really, really true. Um, I read that verse when I was younger, and each time I reread it, I'm like, dang, that verse is so true. Um, you know, for some of you, you know, it's like all of a sudden a quarter of your life's gone, then half your life's gone, or more, and you realize, wow, my life really isn't as long as I thought it was. Um, if you've ever been, you know, outside, and the mountains are just here in the wintertime on a cold day and breathe out, you know, some air. Um, and you saw your breath, you know, the moment you see it to the moment that it is gone, which isn't very long. That's about what James is saying about how long your life is in, in the scope of eternity. It's not very long. So therefore, you know, that's a sobering thought to think about. We need to think about how we're using our time. Um, then the second principle is this, you know, making decisions and light. Of the brevity of our life will allow us to make better decisions. Um, at the end of his almost 120 year long life, which, man, if any of you guys live past that, amazing, but uh, I doubt any of us will. But Moses lived till he was 120 years old. And uh, he's the man who probably wrote the first five books of the Old Testament and who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and to the edge of the promised land. He didn't get to go in, that's a separate story, but he led them to the edge. And, uh, and at the end of his life or towards the end of his life, he wrote Psalm 90. And, uh, and in this Psalm, w- one of the ideas he talks about is he compares, um, how short our lives are compared to God who has existed forever and will exist forever. And, uh, and then he writes in Psalm 90:12, he says, and teach us speaking to God, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And basically what he's saying, he's saying, God, would you help us not to live as if we're going to have forever on this earth? You know, would, but instead, would you help us to live with the end in mind and with the eternity in mind so that we really make wise choices to leverage the, the small amount of time we actually do have? And then the third principle is this. Uh, we all have time needed to do what God wants us to do. I don't know if we have ever thought about that or not. Uh, Ephesians two, eight through 10 says, for it is by grace. You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast for. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So notice a couple of things there. One, God, uh, he's the one that created us. He's also the one who created time. Um, and he created how much time we're going to have here on this earth. And it says that he prepared in advance for us uh, good works to do. So if you think, if you've ever had the thought, you know, I don't have the time to accomplish all that God has for me, um, which I've thought that a lot before, that's actually not an accurate thought. And, and if you've ever thought that, there's probably uh, one of three things or maybe multiple of three things going on in your life. The first is uh, you might be doing too much. You might be doing too much. Um, it's easy to become compulsive and to fill our schedules with a ton of stuff, either because we want to impress other people or we want to impress. We think God's impressed by that, um, but we just fill our lives with way too much stuff. Um, but it's important to remember that, you know, who we're becoming is a lot more important than what we're doing because who you're becoming will actually inform what you're doing in the first place. And so sometimes doing too much may be one of the reasons a second reason might be uh you're doing the wrong things uh now i didn't say bad things, but I said wrong things um, I think as many of you might have could already uh you know attest to this and and some of you will will notice more as you grow as uh you know as you begin to walk more and more with god it's not so much the good versus bad that's our hang up i mean that that becomes becomes fairly um, obvious what's right and what's wrong it's really the decision between choosing what's good and what's best that really um, is going to inform how well we use our time. And then the third reason uh, could be possibly you're doing things in the wrong way or the wrong order. Um, I hope you can make out that image. I uh, flipped a coin decides, will I print these in color or not? And I decided not to, <laughs> but uh, basically what that image is, I used this image actually almost a year ago here at Churston Valley um of these two jars, but if you haven't seen this illustration before, there's two jars and they're the same size and they have the same amount of sand and the same amount of rocks in them. And the rocks really representing the important things in life and the sand representing kind of the unimportant things. And what determines whether it all fits in the jar or not is the order in which it's placed in the jar. You know, the, the jar on the left, uh, the sand got the priority. And so the rocks all didn't fit and the jar on the right, you know, the rocks got the priority and the sand got filled in around it. And really, it just represents a principle that priority determines capacity. You know, priority in which you do things really determines capacity in which you do them. So if you're not doing the wrong things or you're uh, not doing too much, but you're still feeling like, I'm not getting it all done, you might consider thinking about, am I doing things in the right order? Because that has a big determinant. And the fourth principle and last principle before we jump into the tips is this. The evil state of our world demands that we live very carefully to live wisely. That we live very carefully to live wisely. You know, in general, if we just go with the natural uh, flow of culture and its value systems and what it tells us to give our time to, we're going to, at the end of our life, find out we've wasted a lot of our time and wasted a lot of our life. Um, therefore, the idea that he's talking about, Paul is writing in this verse, he's saying we have to keep our eyes wide open. We have to keep our eyes wide open to the opportunities that uh, God wants us to buy up, figuring out what is God's will for my life, and then figuring out, okay, what are the right opportunities and at the right time, because there con- there's tons of opportunities constantly passing you by, but which ones do I buy up and which ones do I just let pass me by? Um, and so this I ver- this verse encourages us to, we, there's a sense of we have to live with great intentionality um, to really swim sort of upstream towards the things that God wants for our lives. Cause if we don't, the, the current of culture is just going to pull us in the opposite direction. Um, and when he says, you know, the days are evil. What he's saying is guys, we do not live in a spiritually neutral environment. It's not like, Oh, I can tread water and take a break. And then I'll go a little further. If you've ever been at the beach and you're playing out in the water and all of a sudden you get out in your five lifeguard stations down here, like, what happened? Well, the current pulled you, you didn't know it. You were just playing the waves, And the current, pulled. that's the same idea here. We have to be, actively swimming upstream if we're going to really buy up the right opportunities so those are a couple of principles to consider now um there's no random amount to the order i just i just stopped at 18 but you know so we have 18 tips that we're going to run through um i wish there was some great story behind that but uh i think we'll be good on time and if there's any time left over i'd love to if there's any questions you have feel free to uh, ask but We'll see how we're doing on time. So the first tip. First tip is this, and no in no particular order necessarily. Uh, abide in Christ for wisdom, strength, and discipline. This is the first tip in really maximizing and leveraging your time. John fifteen five says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And, you know, I think when... Uh, the word nothing that Jesus says there, I think he's, it's kind of a double, uh, meaning is what he's talking about there. I think first he's saying, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like literally the fact that we're breathing and alive today is purely by God's help. You know, we wouldn't be able to do that. But I think he's also saying, you know, um, apart from me, you can really do nothing of value. That's actually going to last, you know? Yeah, you can, you can get a lot accomplished, but at the end of the day, none of it's really going to matter if you weren't doing, uh, you weren't abiding in Christ. Um, so we need to abide in him for wisdom on what to focus on and on the strength and discipline to do it. And for those of you that are thinking, you know, this first tip, you think, ah, oh, the word discipline. I hate that word. I'm not disciplined. Uh, well, be encouraged. Discipline is not, it's, uh, something that's necessarily entirely innate. It's actually in large part a learned practice, which means each of you can learn how to be disciplined. Um, when you think about it, dis- now there are some people, I get, you know, their discipline coming out of the womb, you know, in in certain aspects. But in general, um, discipline, at least healthy discipline, is a learned trait because discipline is an outflow of a self-controlled life, which really is a fruit of the spirit, according to Galatians 5:22 and 23. That's that's not on your handout, but you can jot that down. Um, And so, the fruit of the spirit, when you're reading Galatians, it's not something that we can just manufacture on our own. It's actually something. That uh God has to build into us as we abide in Him, so as we begin to learn um God's ways through the Bible and begin to stay connected to his power by by obeying Him and praying for his help, um, you know if you'll begin to abide in Christ like that, uh wisdom and strength and discipline will just be a natural outflow of learning to abide in God um, practically speaking, one of the things I'd encourage you guys to do if you if it's not a habit is begin to build in the daily routine of getting time in God's word and getting to pray over it and think about how you can begin to apply it to your life. Uh, for me, that has probably been the most important big rock habit um, of my life and still is to this day. Um, so I'd encourage you that that'd be a habit to consider. Uh, the second um, tip is plan your time with a schedule. Plan your time with a schedule. You know, a schedule is more about who you're becoming than just a laundry list of to-dos. Um, it's something, and it, and one of the things we say a lot in, in Christian challenge in our ministry, and you guys have heard this too, is probably, you know, if, if something's not in your schedule, uh, it won't be in your life. If something's not in your schedule, it won't be in your life. I mean, you can have dreams and aspirations, uh, but if it's not on your schedule, um, it's never going to become a reality until you figure out actually, when am I actually going to do this in my 168 hour week? Um. You know, one of the things that we're down here is everyone will end up somewhere, but you can actually end up somewhere on purpose with a schedule and a good schedule. It's not it doesn't have to be restrictive, but what it does is it allows you to keep in your life the things you want in your life and builds a wall uh, from the things that you don't want to invade your life. That's what a schedule is really, really helpful for. Um, And you and I, you know, are really actually too busy not to plan our time. Uh, Many books. On time management would say, and, and I can attest from this from my own life, too, that the time you'll spend planning will be more than made up for in the execution uh, of, throughout your week. So, man, set aside time to, you know, at some point in your week, at some point in your day to plan and make a schedule. Um, and we'll talk more about a schedule in a bit. But the the next tip I would say, the third, is uh, if you're not used to planning your time, if this is, if that's a new idea to you, uh, one of the things I encourage you to do is start with tracking where your time's going. Um, possibly, maybe for about a two-week segment in, in increments of about 30 minutes. Just figure out. Just write down you know, wh- where did my time go. Um, just like making a budget, uh, you know, one of the things people say when you make a budget, they encourage you is like, well, track where your money's going, figure out uh, what you're spending your money. The same thing is true with your time. If you'll figure out where is my time actually going, uh, it'll actually really be helpful in beginning to build a framework for your schedule, because you at least need to know where it's been going before you can determine where it's going to go. Um, and you might be surprised with some of the results. You could find that as you track your time, there's going to be lots of little increments of time, you know, possibly wasted in between bigger activities. You're like, wow, I could have bought that and that and that and that and that. Um, or it could be that you might find that your professed priorities on paper don't actually match up with where your time's actually going during your day. Um, so it could be a helpful just enlightening exercise uh, the third fourth thing i'd say is you know operate under priorities not pressure this is this is a really crucial one uh, we have to learn to begin to separate uh, the urgent from the important uh, and this really requires wisdom if you take a look at that the four quadrants right there uh, this is from a book entitled tyranny of the urgent i didn't come up with this uh, it's by charles hummel and if you've never read this i I'd highly encourage you to. It's a shorter booklet you can get on, you know, Amazon or something like that. There might even be like a free PDF online, but a uh, very, very helpful book on handling your time. But basically, there's four quadrants. And really, when you think about it, almost all of your life activities fit within one of these four quadrants. The first one there is, you know, activities that would be both urgent and important. The second one being activities that are not urgent, but they're important. Um, and the third being activities that are urgent, but they're actually not important. And the fourth being activities that are not urgent and not important. That's probably the least uh, helpful category of all of them. Um, but one of the things you'll begin to see, and one of the things he talks about in this book, is if you will spend the majority of your life uh, and plan intentionally on putting activities that are in quadrant two there, you know, activities that they're not necessarily urgent, but they're really important. That's going to where the most meaning and satisfaction and productivity is going to come in your life. Um, but unfortunately, what we tend to do is we tend to let a lot of the Uh, urgent things, you know, crowd out the really important things. And, you know, granted there are some things that are both urgent and important, but what I found is if you will plan ahead and not procrastinate a whole lot of activities that are in category one, won't ever even be there. You know, they can stay in category two because a lot of urgent things come up mostly on our end, you know, if we're really honest about it. It's not so much, uh, life, but although there's some like that, um, so one of the ways that you can really begin to uh, avoid the tyranny of the urgent um, and really live by priorities and not by pressure is by making regular OATS, O-A-T-S. It, um, it's an acronym. One of the things we talk about and challenge a lot of just how to uh, help people live by priorities and objectives. And the O obviously stands for objectives. Um, and in this, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to ask questions like, you know, what do I want to become? Or who do I want to become? And what do I want to be true about my life? And that might change from different stages of life, you know. You might have different objectives as a single person than you do a married person or with kids. Um, so you're always altering your objectives at different seasons of life. Um, and then the A, activities. You know, what are the activities that are going to help you uh, accomplish these objectives? And then uh, the T, you know, time. When is this going to happen in your schedule? Uh, you know, this is where the rubber really meets the road. Again, it's, it's like if it doesn't get in your schedule, it won't get in your life. So you actually have to figure, out, okay, I want to be a better father. That's a great objective, you know. And these are some of the activities I think are going to be necessary for me a bit. But when are you actually going to do those activities, you know. As one pastor said, you know, you, it's, it's one thing to love your family in your heart. It's another thing to love them in your schedule. So figuring out time when you're actually going to do the things you're talking about. And then the S is uh seriously evaluate. I'd encourage you, you know, take a time, take time, maybe, maybe once a month, uh, or less or more often, depending on the objectives, um, to just really evaluate, uh, if those objectives are really, um, helpful. And not just the objectives, but the whole process, evaluating all the things. So asking yourself questions like, you know, are these objectives still necessary where I'm at in life right now, or do they need to change? Um, and maybe you've accomplished it and you need a new objective, or, you start to figure out, okay, given where things are at right now, that's that's not the most important objective right now in life. Um, another question you might ask, you know, are are the activities are the activities I'm doing helping me accomplish these objectives? And if not, why not? And then ask, you know, what do I need to start, stop, increase or decrease to help me keep moving towards my objectives? And I, I think as you'll begin to kind of not only write out but really work, you know, this process of using you know, the OATS acronym, I think you'll find, man, you actually, you can make decisions in life progress a whole lot more and get a lot more traction than if you're just kind of, you know, dinging around from one thing to the next based reactionary on how people want you to use your time. Um, And the fifth one is plug the leaks, lower or eliminate time wasters. You know, we each have our own unique list of time wasters. I mean, some, for some of us, social media, for others it's movies, for others it's, you know, shopping or email or video games or whatever. Um, and none of those things are innately bad. Uh, the problem is when these time wasters keep us from getting done what we really want to accomplish in life. Um, it's okay to have a little bit of these things in your life, but we need to be honest with ourselves about our own tendencies. And if, and if we're having trouble being honest with ourselves, you know, get someone that you know that will be honest with you about your tendencies that can kind of speak some truth into your life. Uh 1 Corinthians 6:12 says, uh, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And the reality is guys, we don't we don't want to be mastered by anything other than Jesus if we're if we're trying to follow him. And so if if there's ever something in your life that you've said or just thought, I can't live without that, you might be on a slippery slope to letting that be something that could be a master to you. So you want to kind of evaluate some of those those time wasters. For me personally, um, you know, I, there's certain things in life that I have a pretty addictive, uh, personality bent towards. And one of those being like, you know, when I was younger, um, like video games, I mean, to this day, I still think they could be a very addictive tendency for me. So what I've just chosen to do personally is just, I just don't even own any consoles or video games, not because they're wrong or I'm above them, but I just know me <laughs> and I'm just not that good of a person to limit my time and that kind of stuff. So I just don't even own it. So it's not even a distraction because there's just other things that are a lot more important to me that I want to get accomplished. Now, there's other time wasters that I just choose to manage. That's just one I don't even want on the table for me, just personally. Um, so figure that out for you. Then six, uh, learn to say no. Just because someone wants you to do something doesn't mean you should. In order to stay on the path of your objectives, you need to be willing to say no to many things in order to say yes to the best things. So begin to ask yourself the question. Whenever something comes up, if someone asks you to do something, ask yourself the question, does this help me accomplish the work that God has for me? Um, and if not, have the courage to just graciously say, um, thanks, but but no thanks. Um, I can't do that. Um, now, this requires actually having lived, you know, made out objectives and, and living by them. Uh, because if not, uh, there's lots of people you'll find, if you haven't already, that, um, have a great plan for your life. And they will plan every single minute of it. And so if you don't plan intentionally, you know, it's kind of the idea, uh, if you don't know where you're going, any path will take you there. And that's, that's the idea here. If, if, you know, people that can't say no, um, it's usually for a couple reasons. One, they don't have a plan. Uh, so sure, everything sounds good. Or two, uh, if you're like myself, you're a people pleaser. Um, and so, well, uh, I have to say yes, right? Um, or you think, uh, man, I'm just so indispensable that, I mean, this organization would crumble if I did not say yes or this, you know, this project or whatever. But the reality is it was working before you got there. It'll be working when you're gone. Um, so, you know, make, learn to say no. You ought to practice saying no to something every single day uh, just to get in the habit of it. And another thought on that one, too, is just uh, the reality is, too, that you will accomplish more by doing less and doing it better. I used to think, you know, the people that accomplish the most have 26 hours of stuff jammed into their 24 hour day. And that's how they do it. No, they've just been very, very uh, brutally honest about what they're going to focus on. And they cut out all the superfluous stuff. And so they do more by doing less and doing it better. And then seven, you know, tailor make your schedule. Um, one of the things I encourage you to do: learn from lots of wise people, but don't uh, feel the need to adopt everything they're doing, but learn to adapt what they're doing. You know, you, 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 otherwise, you get a guy reading a biography about a guy who woke up at 5 a.m. every morning. He thinks, that's what I need to do in order to be, um, productive. And then he does that and he's a grouch to live with because he's not getting enough rest. You know, I've never done that personally. Well, maybe. Okay, maybe I have. Um, but, uh, that might be a personal example for me. But, um, instead, adapt and learn the principle. The principle is, oh, wow, you know what? Getting up early is really, um, helpful. And so I'm going to get up early, but I'm going to adjust it based, on my schedule and what makes sense for what's going on in my life, not just doing exactly what someone else did. And then also in tailor making your schedule, I'd encourage you to ask the question, you know, when are you most efficient uh, with your time? Uh, when are you most efficient? Um, if at all possible, try to plan the hardest uh, things on your schedule during that time. For me, it's the morning, you know, for other people, I know it's the evening, they're most optimal uh, getting stuff done in the evening. Uh, for some people, I think they still have never figured out, uh, maybe it's like a sliver of about thirty minutes right after lunch. I don't know, but they've never figured out an optimal time. So if that's the case, uh that's a separate seminar. We'll talk about that some other time. But um but I encourage you, figure out an optimal time for you. And then also another thought on Taylor making your schedule is uh if you have many of you have jobs that require you to um create and to maybe you're writing, maybe you're having uh a lot of deep thinking and you're you're a speaker, you have to um Analyze, you know, large chunks of material. I'd really encourage you, learn to set aside big chunks of time to do those kind of things. Uh, setting aside a, a four hour, you know, half day to get some of that done is a whole lot more productive than setting aside, you know, two chunks of two hours space throughout the week because you need time to just sit in it. You need time to, to ramp up. And if you have to have ramp up multiple times in the thing, you just get a lot less done. So, learn to tailor make your schedule. And then next, uh, leave margin for the unexpected and for error. You know, there's lots of things that we can't plan for and our plans are never going to work exactly the way we planned on them too. So if we don't learn to leave margin in our schedule, uh, we're going to constantly be frustrated and miss out on a lot of good opportunities we hadn't expected. So leave margin. And then nine, uh, pray for insight from God as you make your schedule. A quote I keep on my desk, uh, Next to my computer is it says this "says time spent without the Lord's counsel runs a great risk of being wasted time. So pray. You know, Jesus public ministry started when he was 30 years old uh, and he had three years to convince people that he was God. Train up a faithful followers who would carry on the work after he was gone and then teach, preach and heal a ton of people. So good question to ask yourself is, does your next three years of life look as busy as that? If not, you can be encouraged. Uh, because one of the things that was also true of Jesus' life is at the end of his life, in John seventeen four, 4, um, he said, I've accomplished everything the Father has given me to accomplish. And yet, when you read the Gospels, he doesn't ever seem in a rush. Uh, in fact, there are some people like, can you move a little faster? You know, uh, But he, he never seemed in a rush. He never seemed too busy for people. Um, and so I remember studying that one time, being like, well, well how is that? And so I as I began to dive into more of his life, one of the things I realized uh, was examples like Mark one thirty five, where it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, the context of this verse is versus, you know, after a long day of ministry, uh, and a very successful day, you know, he went to bed and he got up really early and he went and spent some time to pray to really figure out, God, what do you want me to do next? And, uh, and this was really informative for him because, um, what you find is he said, all right, next thing we need to do, we need to go to this, this other town and begin to do some work there. And his disciples and everyone was like, no, you gotta stay longer here. No, that's, that would seem obvious, but that's not what God has for me here. I need to go to the next thing. Cause he spent some time prayerfully getting, uh, input from the Father. And so my thought is, and I encourage you to think this, is if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to take daily time to pray, and get input on how he should spend his time, maybe we're not above that either. You know, we ought to consider figuring out, God, how should I spend my time? And not just assume we know what the next thing is to do. And then 10, you know, get wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I wrote my notes that there are no shortcuts in life, but probably the closest thing to one is teachability. And really taking the initiative to learn from those who are further down the road than us in different areas. Uh, I remember when I first got out of uh, paying off debt, and I was kind of my next step was to begin, or a couple steps later was to begin to figure out uh, how to begin to invest, you know, money into my uh, retirement account. And so I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get a bunch of books on investing and uh, stocks and mutual funds, and I'm just gonna like learn all this stuff and become a master, and then I'll invest my money. And and not that reading's not a bad uh, idea and you ought to read more. But one of the things my dad suggested very wisely as I ran this idea by me was, you know, you ought to read some, but you know, you could save yourself a ton of time if you just had a few conversations on the phone with different men who are, that you know, that are businessmen that very successfully and wisely invest their money. You know, you, some f- a few 15 minute conversations could probably save you hours in a library. And I was like, you know, that's really wise. And so I did that and it was really helpful and it saved me a ton of, ton of time. And so so I'd encourage, you know, get wise counsel on things. Don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel on everything. Uh, that'll save you a lot of time. And then 11, uh, make time for maintenance activities or they will become a liability. This is something I'm having to learn more and more for myself. Uh, for many of us, we see maintenance activities, or at least I do. I, I imagine some of you do too. We see them as, uh, a waste of time. Um, and because, and that's for good reason. Partly is because they're, um, they aren't really helping us make progress. In general, the goal of maintenance activities is not to allow us to make progress, but to keep us from moving backward on things. Um, so to use, you know, to use a sports analogy, uh, maintenance activities are really kind of our defense. Uh, they're not really our offense. Um, but as many of you know, as you watch sports teams, uh, a great offense cannot outperform a terrible defense. <laughs> you know, uh, if your, if your defense is terrible, uh, you can't score enough points to offset that. Um, so, for example, many of us, and this is something, you know, I'm learning myself personally, too. For many of us, we're, we're so busy being productive um, that we don't set aside maintenance time to, like, exercise on a regular basis because, after all, we are being productive. But let me ask you a question. Someone th- threw this out to me a long time ago. I thought it was worth considering. Um, what would hurt your life's productivity more? Carving out four hours out of your Week schedule to exercise on a regular basis, or dying ten years prematurely of a heart attack. You know, you don't have to be a math whiz to add up the math there. What you find pretty quickly is actually the ten years that really is puts a damper on your productivity over the course of your life than carving out a little bit of time each week to exercise. You know, so things like maintenance activities like rest and exercise, cleaning, laundry, you know, working on your car, or catching up on conversations with your spouse or family. Uh, these things are needed, uh, not so much because they're going to make us really productive, but they're going to keep us from moving backwards in things that we're really wanting to make progress in. Um, Twelfth, in addition to your schedule, keep a written to-do list. Uh, one, an- another saying that you know my dad and other people have said over the years become kind of a mantra is the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind. The dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind. Or maybe now the slowest smartphone is better than the sharpest mind. I don't know. It's been how you make your to-do list. Um, You know, you're going to forget a lot of stuff. And so you need, it's just important to write it down. And for me, what I found, and I think it's true probably for a lot of you guys, is um, just like a win a computer that has too many programs open and begins to run slower, when you're trying to remember and think about 10,000 things, you just start going slower. And so um, if you'll write them down, you don't have to think about them because they're on a list. And you don't have to do them right then either. You know, write them down so they're there. And then as you look over your schedule and your priorities, figure out where you can plug and play your to-do list, but at least have them there so you don't forget them. And then 13, uh, be decisive. Don't be paralyzed by indecision. Um, However, on the flip side of that, we also don't want to be hasty. Uh, Proverbs 19.2 says, It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, not to be hasty and miss the way. You know, hastiness, uh, is really the result of one of a couple things. It's either the result of laziness, you know, we're, we're too lazy to, to work the process to make a good decision, so we just hastily make a decision. Or, uh, we have way more passion than we do facts about something, and so we just hastily make a decision. Uh, so I'd encourage you, you know, get the facts, analyze them, don't make a decision before you have to, uh, there's no reason why you need to make a decision before the time is to make a decision. Um, But when the time comes, you know, don't, don't let the paralysis paralysis of analysis kind of stop you in your tracks, but just be decisive, make a decision. And then 14, uh, remember that relaxation is not wasted time. This is another one where I'm having to more preach to myself than anything else. Uh, You know, we are not machines. Uh, We're spiritual beings with a body. And therefore we need to rest from time to time to take care of our body and mind. And what relaxation does is it really prevents from the kind of the law of diminishing returns where you're having to put the same amount of hours in, uh, but you're getting less and less results or you're not having to put way more hours in to get the same results because you're just more and more mentally and physically tired. So take time to rest. Uh, a phrase I heard, uh, of, of, a lot too, which I, is a helpful one to remember is, you know, a person who burns a candle at both ends is not too bright (laughs) because eventually that candle ceases to exist if it's burning at both ends. So think about that in case you haven't thought about that before. Um, However, on the flip side of that as well, uh, we don't want to fall in love with sleep or rest. We want to use it. Uh, Proverbs 2013 says, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake or you um, stay awake and you will have food to spare. One of the things I think we need uh, sometimes I'm seeing with people and even myself occasionally in in our culture is we are having a, a misunderstanding of rest and work. We think uh, we need to uh, the goal is to rest. And so we work so that we have time to rest. But it's actually the flip side. We were made to work. And so uh, rest is not the goal. It's a tool. You know, we rest so that we're more fresh so we can work some more. But the goal is actually work. You know, it's not. The weekend, you know, weekend's great. And I love the weekend. And Sunday night is about the most depressing day of the week for me, you know. But, uh, you know, learning to rest uh, for appropriately, but also seen as a tool and not the goal is, is really important. Um, and then last few here. Uh, 15, don't let worry rob you of your energy uh, or your time. Matthew six thirty four says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And then a quote there, I think it's on your handout too, by Corey Tin Boone. This is the woman uh we named our our daughter after. She's got a lot of really great one-liners from her life. Uh she said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. You know, you're you're gonna waste a lot of energy, um, both physical and mental energy, if you just let worry and stress, you know, take you over. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still going to have the same things you got to get done, um, just with less energy to do them. And so I'd really encourage you. You know, for me, one of the things I've tried to do is allow the trigger of worry. Cause I'm a natural warrior. Allow the trigger of worry to, um, spark you to pray and ask, you know, go back to the one we talked about earlier, where we're asking God for help and we're asking him for, for strength and things. And then after you pray, uh, depending on what the thing is, maybe your next step is either planning, out what you need to do or executing what you already have planned. Uh, I don't know if you can relate to this, but for me, oftentimes knowing that I have work is not what makes me stressed. It's the ambiguity of knowing how I'm going to get it done or when I'm going to get it done that makes me stressed. You know, I don't mind a challenge in front of me, but if I have no game plan for when I'm going to do it or how I'm going to do it, that is what freaks me out and stresses me out. So uh, sometimes just sitting down and planning and putting things in your schedule will alleviate a lot of stress. And then 16, implement your plans. Uh, don't just talk about them. Uh, a verse, we, me and my siblings got told to us a lot growing up because we were talkers sometimes and not always doers. It's Proverbs 14, 23. says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You know, even the best plans, if left unimplemented, are actually worth nothing. Um, planning is 10%, but really execution is the other 90%. So if you find yourself being more of a natural planner, Man, surround yourself with some people. Uh maybe who are uh tend to be more on the execution side of things for encouragement or for help. Um, and then last two, we're on the home stretch here. Uh be diligent and be a finisher. Uh Proverbs 13 4 says, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Uh note, notice both the sluggard and the diligent person, they wanted something. But one of them got it and one of them didn't. You know, because one chose to to be diligent, and one of them just had a desire. Um, and then Proverbs nineteen twenty four uh, It's kind of a, a an odd verse, but when you think about it, it's really it's really helpful. It says, "The sluggard bears his hand in the dish; he will not even bring it back to his mouth." And the the idea is what I picture in, in, with this verse is, you know, there's a guy, maybe he's got a big bowl of popcorn or something in front of him, and he's just he's so excited about it, and he bury his hand deep in the dish. I mean, he is going to eat that popcorn. But then his hand gets to the really bottom, he's like, ah, oh, it's a lot of work. Gotta bring it all back to my mouth. <laughs> and so it just gets cold and he doesn't eat it. You know, and, and the more, I was like, that's such a weird verse. Uh, but the more I thought about it, what I realized is, you know what? Um, he started off with real gusto. Just like a lot of, you know, lazy people do. I mean, diligent people and lazy people, one thing they both may have in common is both tend to start pretty, uh, pretty passionately, pretty intensely. The difference is one finishes and one doesn't, you know, and so for you, if you're thinking, uh, you know, what I've got a lot of tasks at home or at work that are about two thirds or three fourths of the way accomplished. And then I moved on. Maybe that's something you need to consider is, is am I just starting things or am I finishing things? Um, and then the last one I'd say is seek uh, seek accountability and encouragement. Um, you know, we, we were not made to be lone Rangers. Uh, we need, uh, help and encouragement from other people. There's a couple of verses there. I won't read those, uh, for sake of time, but, um, you know, we, we, we were made to leverage the strengths and gifts of other people as well. And so, uh, don't try to do all this stuff on your own. If you do, you're going to find yourself pretty, pretty discouraged over time. Um, a couple of closing thoughts I'd have uh, is, one, you know, as you are looking to implement some of these um, ways to maximize your time, always remind yourself of the goal and your objectives and priorities first. Because one of the things I've found, especially working with, with college students and even for myself, too, is if you um, teach someone how to really maximize their time before you help them really have a vision, you just help them learn how to most efficiently waste their time <laughs> um, because you actually need a vision before you have, you know, clarity of how to really maximize the time for that vision. Um, and then if you're going to err, you know, on things, you know, err on the side of relationships over tasks. Um, in fact, you know, loving people like Christ loved us uh, is actually should be the thrust behind all the activities we do in the first place. If you look at John 13, 34 and 35. And then the last thought I'd say is uh, remember the difference between people and tasks in the sense of we want to be efficient with tasks. We want to be effective with people. You know, if you try to flip those, uh, life doesn't go very well. Many of you, if you've ever had someone try to be efficient with you, uh, it wasn't a very pleasant experience. So learn to be efficient with tasks and effective with people. And for me, what that's looked like is I have to be uh, – very efficient privately if I'm going to be effective publicly with people. So, uh, you know, I don't give myself a whole lot of leeway in private endeavors, so I can give a whole lot more when I'm with people um, to really just be there fully presently and give the time needed for that. So that was um, a whole laundry list of things. And it wasn't uh, – um, and if you're thinking, I don't remember most of that, that's okay because you have the handout, and so – Hopefully you can look over that um, if you have questions more about that um, feel free to ask me uh, at any time and um, let me pray for us and then we are done guys um, Father thank you that you not only offer um, a vision for how to really uh, have a meaningful and enjoyable and fun life but you also um, give us really helpful tips uh, all throughout your scriptures and how to really maximize and leverage your time. So would you really help us to steward our time well, uh, not only for our lives and the lives of others, but in a way that really just, just honors you and uh, is the most impactful. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.